Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today taken from this beautiful gospel lesson. I'm going to read these words again. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, Get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Here ends our text. It was truly a remarkable thing. These men, perhaps it had been their best friend. I remember being up in Minnesota and here came this guy on a wheel, in a wheelchair, completely paralyzed, and his friends pushing him. They had loved him deeply. He had took a dive off of a rock up in northern Minnesota and landed on a rock down in the water. And it completely paralyzed him. They loved him. They cared for him. And so these men, no doubt, had also cared greatly for their friend who was now a paralytic, unable to walk. They brought him to Jesus, but the crowds were gathered around him. He was healing many, and the house was filled with people. They went upstairs. They pulled back these tiles that were up there upon the roof of the house. And in their desperation, they let him down with ropes so that he landed right in front of Jesus. And the text says that he saw their faith, the faith of all of them. He said to that man, your sins are forgiven. It was a great gift. What's the greatest thing that you could say has ever happened to you? What's the best thing in the whole world that has happened to you? I asked the preschool children, they'll be singing in our second service, I, I asked them in chapel, what's, what's the greatest thing that you've ever had? And they looked at me and went, I said, how about ice cream? Yeah, everybody loves ice cream. That's great. That's wonderful. But when we become adults, it's a little bit more sophisticated than that, isn't it? Yeah, we say, well, you know, I had a really great sale. I found myself with really good grades. If you're a student in school, you might have an honor that you gained because of some great accomplishment. It might be something that might be a, a victory in some kind of competition, or maybe you won something in a lottery. Maybe it was that trip that you took on that heritage tour just a few years ago. Maybe a vacation, a new job, a promotion. Oh, but what about getting your health back after you've had cancer? greatest things that have ever happened to me, but whoever says the greatest thing that ever happened to me was that I received the forgiveness of my sins. 
That's the greatest thing that happens here every single Sunday, every time that we enter into communion with the Word of God. It's not always, I'm afraid, seen to be the greatest of gifts, though, is it? Why? In great part, I guess, because we always like to have very tangible things, things that bring to us maybe some form of immediate gratification. It's a lot easier to see a sale or some honor or maybe even some salary increase that might be something really big time in our lives. But God's blessings, even though they might seem very humble, are actually far greater than all of those things. We think of them in terms of the Ten Commandments, don't we? That the greatest gift of all is to be free from idolatry, to be able to know God, to be able to understand His Word, to be able to actually have the privilege of worshiping God, for to worship Him is to commune, is to receive all of His good gifts. If we think of those commandments, we think of the fourth commandment as honor. The greatest gift anybody could ever receive is to have children who show honor to their own parents. Or the fifth commandment that talks about the protection of our bodies. Or the sixth commandment that gives us a wonderful spouse. Or the seventh commandment where God bestows upon us just what we need to support our body and life every day and guarantees it to us and protects us with his angels. And the eighth commandment that he guards our reputation and defends us in the ninth and the tenth that he gives us legal rights that shelter us from the abuse of those around us and from false and terrible nations that would take them all away from us. We don't stop to think about those things because if we aspire to those things, we come to discover that the more that we aspire to them, the more that we seek them, the more that we try to fulfill them, the less we are capable of being able to obtain them, and so we don't regard them as our highest gift. To make matters worse, as we look into that law, we see that since we cannot, the news that we are sinful, that we've broken God's commandments, that news doesn't come to us as good news. It comes to us as precisely the opposite, doesn't it? That our pride, our ego, the things that make us feel as though we're good people, get shot down. And suddenly we find ourselves looking like that paralytic, not a physical paralytic, but a spiritual paralytic, where in the same way in which he could not get up and walk and do the things that he wanted to do, we find ourselves spiritually incapable of being able to do the things that God wants us to do. And when the news comes that we are spiritual paralytics, it doesn't seem as though it's very good news at all. Yet, what we have received and what that paralytic received that day was the greatest news of all. For the paralytic, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to him in life. Not that he got up and walked, but the greatest thing that he had ever experienced in his life was that God had forgiven him for his sins. Perhaps he was wondering whether or not he was paralyzed because God had been punishing him. I guess we all sometimes wonder when bad things happen to us, whether or not we're wondering if these are the things that took place because of something we failed to do or something that we did, maybe even at some point way back in our life. 
we might say to ourselves, I wonder whether or not the reason for why it is that I am feeling so terrible about myself is the fact that God is such a terrible person for laying upon me such guilt that my conscience cannot be set free. But the amazing and the wondrous gift that God gave to the man that day was something not only that forgave him for his sins, but also it was a gift that would in the end raise that paralyzed body from the dead and give unto him a gift of everlasting life. He could not produce the good works that one would expect were necessary for God. And as it was, he stood under the wrath of God because of it. And his conscience began to grasp that. Yeah, the gift that he received were just words. Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven. What did those words do? Far more than the words that said, rise, get up and walk, the words that were spoken were words that justified him, that declared him to be no longer sinful in God's sight, that words that declared or no longer held his sins against him so that the consequences of his sins could not in any way now take effect in his life. It now meant that he had been cleansed in the sight of God. This is called justification by grace through faith. Paul writes, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. He said, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. And he goes on to say, the words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. This gift, justification by grace through faith, was the best thing that anyone could ever receive, is the best thing, because it has four enormously great benefits that we have learned in our catechism. First of all, it is absolutely the most important teaching of the Christian faith. 
Forget about all that stuff about how to do this and how to do that and how important you're going to become and all how you're going to feel and all that kind of stuff. Just remember, right there in the center, right smack dab in the very heart of everything that we believe is this one central, all-important teaching that we become righteous in God's sight, not by our works or by our deeds because we are all spiritual paralytics. We become righteous in God's sight when faith grabs onto the words of Christ and believes them. That is what cleansed the heart of that paralytic and gave him the greatest gift he has ever had. Something far better than ice cream is here. I even think when those men brought the man to Jesus, they were zealous for him to know Christ. And that's what it is that each and every one of us should be doing with our children and with our spouses and with our friends and with our family. To be zealous and to care that they know and understand this teaching. That we stand before God innocent because of what Christ has done for us. And his words of forgiveness are the power which gives unto us everlasting life. That paralytic knew that by getting up and walking, he would only someday die again. That paralytic understood that that spiritual, physical cross that was laid upon him in his paralysis, do we ever stop as Christians and wonder whether or not the burdens that are laid upon us in our life are a gift from God? Why? Because they drive our heart to see that we cannot be what we are supposed to be. And then if we can't be that physically, and if we can't make our life perfect here, we certainly can't make our life perfect in heaven either. That it has to be something that comes from God, from Christ. And when he speaks those words to us that we are justified by grace through faith, it gives us the confidence of knowing that we have God because of it. It also helps us to understand the difference between the true faith and all false religion. Every false religion in the world is doing nothing but trying to teach how we become righteous on our own, how to become justified by our works and by our deeds. Imagine saying to the paralytic, my dad was, when my dad had polio, he, they brought him to a, a clinic called the Sister Kenny Clinic. And they thought that maybe if they beat the muscles of the person who had polio, that they might be able to regenerate the muscles and make them walk again. Wasn't that at all. But they thought that. And that's what the world looks like as it tries to be able to beat our spiritual muscles so that we might be able to get up and do and become what God wants us to be. That's false religion. And it teaches us clearly what is the true religion of all. Our catechism also tells us that it is the only thing that can actually bring comfort to the hearts, the broken hearts of penitent sinners. Yeah, it's the only thing that actually enables us to believe that all our sins are forgiven because if it's all God's doing, not our doing, but God's doing, if Jesus himself, who is the Son of God, declares us to be forgiven, that's the only way that our hearts are able to take confidence 
in this wonderful forgiveness. Paul says it in Ephesians 2, 4. You know it. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, he says. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It cannot be earned, and it cannot be deserved. Last of all, this doctrine, this wonderful teaching, gives all glory to God for his grace and mercy in Christ. Do we ever sit back? I want to say this to kids especially, to you youth and young children. Do we ever sit back and ask ourselves whether or not we have been grateful enough to our parents for giving us life? What did we do to come into existence? Nothing. Everything was their doing. And our entire life, everything that we have in our life is due to the fact that two people brought us into this world. What do we do with our parents? We give them thanks. We try to comprehend how great their grace has been towards us. But what about God? We don't, this world wouldn't even exist without him. To say nothing of the parents and the lives and the people who have gone before us and those names that were written in heaven. And when we sit back, the only thing that we can do, just like that paralytic, the only thing that we can do is just turn and give thanks to God for all that he has done out of his grace and for his mercy. So the paralytic, for the paralytic, how could he give thanks? but to praise God for something that he could not have done on his own. And thus, the reason for why it is that the people around him were also filled with awe that they might know because they know that not just that he had the power to be able to take a man who was paralyzed and make him walk. He had the power, and he still does today, to be able to speak the word and to cleanse our consciences and our minds. You know, in our service, we began today with confession and absolution, didn't we? And those are not just my words. Those are the words of Christ, and there they forgave and forgive all sins. Here now in the Lord's Supper, we're going to be receiving the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins in our liturgy, in the words, in the hymns, in everything that we are speaking. There we hear those words that our sins have been forgiven, and those words have the power to cleanse and to unhinge us from the consequences of those sins. So what remarkable thing has and will happen to you today. The most remarkable thing in all your life. Will it be ice cream? A new job? Healing from some kind of a disease that could have taken your life? Or will it be the forgiveness of your sins? I guess you might say there are two steps to getting there. One is to set your goals into the commandments of God and strive with all your heart to be 
the biggest failure you could possibly ever be as you look at the depth of God's commandments and realize what you and I do not deserve. But the second thing is that in the midst of all of your frustration and all your remorse over the fact that you cannot be what God wants you to be, that you simply believe those words, friend, your sins are forgiven. Amen. May this peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard and keep your thoughts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.